Hello, my name is Rena Stangolini, and I'm a runner at White Plains High School. This podcast is an insider's look at my team. For each episode, we'll run through practices and meets. You'll be introduced to the coaches and other athletes. This is The Runaround with Rena. So we are here. This is Coach's Corner, and today we are interviewing Coach Singh. So hi, Coach Singh. Hello, Rena. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing super. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Thank you for being on the podcast with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. As soon as you mentioned it, I was gung-ho. Couldn't wait. Thank you. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Fred Singleton. I am cross-country and track coach at White Plains High School. This is the completion of year 44. I started in 1976 and in the winter of 1976, and um, I'm still going strong. Awesome. So I've heard that you are a big trivia fan. So would you have any fun, interesting, or unusual fact about running? Oh, man, there are a million interesting facts. Uh, One was that at one time, I got to meet the great Jesse Owens. Really? And I was in a high school track meet in Minnesota, and he was there, and he got to speak. And afterwards, I went down and spoke to him, and he said that he had had observed me during practice the day before out in Minnesota. and. You know, I still, as I'm speaking to you, I can still feel the grip of his hand when he shook my hand. Wow. That's that's really cool. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Also, you were an athlete and you are a coach now. So would you have any piece of advice for our runners that are listening? Well, I would say that one of the things you should do is listen to your coach. He or she uh, has pretty much been a track runner, him or herself and has probably learned from some of the better people in their lives. And uh, what they're doing is passing on what they've learned either through practice or through um, speaking to other people, and they're passing that on to, to you folks. Awesome. Thank you so much for that piece of advice. You got it. So let's start all the way at the beginning. What got you into running and what made you stick with running? So as a sophomore in high school, I actually should have to go back before that. As an eighth grader, I started running, but unfortunately, our practices, which were on Tuesdays and Thursdays, were on the same day that I had Little League games. Ah. I had to stop doing the running and did the Little League. Uh, several years later, I went out for the basketball team at Mount Vernon. And if you know anything about Mount Vernon basketball, you got to be one of the, the top echelon athletes and I wasn't quite there but I was pretty good but I just wasn't there and so I got cut from the team and two of my friends who I've known since fourth and fifth grade respectively said to me you know while you're getting ready for baseball why don't you try running track so okay I'll give it a try so this was the winter season of my sophomore year And I went out and started running track, and I absolutely loved it. And a lot of that had to do with the coaches and the guys who were the seniors and juniors at that time. Yeah, that's amazing. I would say also, like, the upperclassmen were great, and the coaches, you guys were great, too. Ah, thank you. You're welcome. 
So what events did you do for indoor and then as you continued with your running career outdoor? Well, we had a loaded team when I joined them as a sophomore. And so um, I was just one of those guys who was on the team and showed some potential and you know, they stuck with me. I, you know, I didn't go to any of the real big meets. If I did, I was there as an observer. And, uh, you know, so I'd go to some of the meets like some of our athletes do just to cheer our athletes on. Yeah. And then finally, um, during the outdoor season, I started getting some breaks and I actually ran at the Laux games on a, a relay team. Uh, we didn't place, but that was my first big experience at Laux. And I was getting better and better and kept running. And actually, we made the state meet on a relay team my uh, sophomore year. And we won the race, but we got disqualified. Oh. And so that always has lived with me. But uh, I got my break then. So uh, that was it. And then everything started to really gel during my junior and senior years. What relay did you mainly run? So back then, they had what was called the Sprint Med Relay that went to the state meet. And I was running one of the 200 legs along with another sophomore named Bill Collins. We didn't make the state meet. I don't know how this team didn't make the state meet. But we had <laughs> a guy who won the Laux Games as a senior oh, wow. uh, running the 400. So he was the first Laux Games champion in the 400, a guy named Craig Davis. Then it was me, then Billy Collins, and then a, a guy named Clinton Young, who eventually became the mayor of Mount Vernon. Oh. And he, he ran 155 for, for 800 meters. Wow. And now that you mentioned, I don't know how this team didn't make it to the... Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess we did make it to the statement. Yeah, so we did. And... Um, we had such a big lead, but the last baton pass went out of the zone. Oh. And, and that was it. Oh, that's disappointing. Mm, oh, it was. So was there a favorite memory or a moment you had as a runner? Oh, there were a lot. I would say um, in high school, winning Lauks was very big. I've always remembered that. Going to nationals and, and winning two races there was, was probably the highlight. It was out in California back then, and it was called the Golden West. The meet still goes on. They changed the format to what the nationals are today. But back then, this the whole situation was they would only take the eight top seniors in the whole country and invite you to invite you to California. Oh, wow. And uh, so I was one of those invited. In fact, one of my teammates who I mentioned, Billy Collins, was also invited, but he was injured. Oh. So I went, and so every race was a final, and the hurdles were the first race, and the high hurdles. And so I won that, and then a couple of hours later, I won the low hurdles. So uh, yeah, it was exciting. That's amazing. You ran the 120-yard high hurdles and the 180-yard lows? Very good. Good research, Rena. <laughs> <laughs> what got you into the hurdling? So my freshman, I'm sorry, my sophomore year, we had a hurdler, Alex Young, who just recently passed away with the uh, coronavirus. I'm sorry. Uh, that's fine. He was, he was a good guy. And uh, he graduated. And so my junior year... I started running the low hurdles 
and I was fortunate enough to be state champ. And then my senior year, I added the high hurdles to that too. And I was state champ in that and the low hurdles, and then eventually national champ in both. So it was out of necessity. The team needed somebody to do it. Well, you turned out to be the right person. I guess so. So you did track. Did you also do cross country? I did do cross country, if you want to call it that. <laughs> we had a phenomenal team that year. They were my senior year. They were state champs. Uh, I was one of the JV guys who was just running to get in shape for indoor and outdoor track. Uh, so there were about six to eight of us who were sprinters who were just there, just getting in shape for uh, the indoor and outdoor season. Ah, gotcha. So you had a very good career in high school. So um, you continued on in college. What did you major in? Well, I first went to Penn State majoring in geology. I loved the idea of going around the world and exploring for oil. So my freshman year, I took a geography class, and I, I really liked that. And I said, hmm, maybe I'll become a map maker. So I switched to geography. And that summer, between my sophomore and junior years, I worked on a playground. And I really enjoyed working with the young people. So I switched a second time. This time now, this would now be my third major, education. And I always had a, a feeling for history. So I decided to become a secondary ed uh, social studies teacher. And you taught in White Plains District? Yeah, I did. I taught for 36 years over at Rochambeau. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I loved it. I, I loved being in the classroom. But, you know, at that point, after 36 years, it just, you know, it just got to the point where I realized that by retiring, I could make almost as much money as if I kept on working. And so we have a great pension. So I just said, you know, I think I've, I've had enough. And as long as I could keep coaching, which I did, and I am. Did you write your book while you were still teaching or after you retired? I started it as I was teaching. My, my book deals with um, American history. And as I was one day starting a lesson, uh, I, uh, the lesson actually was on the Constitution and some of the amendments. And as I was reviewing some of the amendments, I looked and I said, hmm, there's something wrong with this amendment, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And then the next year, about that same time, I um, dusted off that lesson and I said, oh, there's that amendment again. Let me look at this. And sure enough, I figured it out. I did some research and I was told that, yes, other people had seen this too. And so I said, you know what? I, I've always wanted to write a novel. So I said, I'll try it. I mean, it it's it's not war and peace or anything like that, but, you know, it's, it was like on my bucket list, so I, I got that out of the way. I enjoyed reading it. Oh, thank you, Rena. I really appreciate that, and I appreciate the fact uh, that you took the time to read it, because I know that you're really busy. You do, you're a great student, and you have a lot going on with running and music and family and religion, and the fact that you took time out to read it uh, was very important to me, and I appreciated that. Thank you. I like that, you know, how you saw something that needed to be changed and you did something about it. So as that's pretty cool to see that that book was the result of you taking action. Yes, it was. 
Alrighty, so going back to college, what was your experience as a student athlete in college and just running in college? Well, it was a lot different than high school. Uh, my coach, Harry Groves, who passed away in February at age 89, he was more of a distance coach. And so when it came time for our workouts as, as 400 meter runners, he emphasized the longer distances. And that was a total different approach than we had had at Mount Vernon, where we were speed city. And so it, it was different. I got hurt my first year. I had shin splints for two years because of all the pounding that I wasn't used to doing. And uh, so my first two years were not enjoyable experiences running wise. And I was a little homesick my first year, but I, you know, I got over that. I did have a lot of great teammates, a lot of fun guys, a lot of talented people. And then by my, my junior year, I started getting my act together. One of the problems for me personally was that the hurdles in college were three inches higher than they were in high school. Oh. And I'd only run the high hurdles one year, so I didn't have that long background of hurdling. Plus, I was a pretty, I guess I still am a pretty muscular guy and not very loose. So, you know, I used to have to muscle through the hurdles, hitting hurdles and, you know, as opposed to finessing the hurdles. So when you added the three inches plus the injuries and I had never pulled a hamstring before and I had done that, it, it, the first two years weren't great. And this, my junior year was better. Then by my senior year, I was getting back to it. And uh, we had a great team. Uh, my junior year, our 400-meter uh, relay team was sixth at nationals. That was very exciting. Wow. And then my senior year, everything fell into place. There's a championship here on the East Coast of colleges called the IC4A. It actually is the same weekend as Lauk's. Oh. And um, we won that going away. And that was 1974. And the last time Penn State had won that was 1959. Oh, wow. So we, we, we were tremendous. And we had a great group of guys. Um, and it was a lot of fun. That's so cool. So how did you overcome the challenges that you faced as an underclassman at Penn State? The metal, the physical ones we're talking about? Yeah. Uh, I guess I moped around a lot, but after a while, I just um, accepted that, you know, I, it was different than in high school. And um, in high school, I was able to just outrun everybody over the hurdles because uh, I was faster than just about everybody. But now in college, most of these people were just as fast as me, but they had better technique. So I just kept plugging away, plugging away. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was different experience. I, I loved being out at Penn State. It was a great place. And um, uh, I enjoyed myself out there my four years there. And um you know, I ran more sprints than I did hurdles my first couple of years because of, of my leg injuries. Ah, gotcha. Did you have any running mentors or anyone you looked up to in running? Well, back then, you know, nowadays you guys can YouTube anybody and see uh, anything that you want technique-wise or just hero-wise. 
So back then, we would look at TV when there was a track meet, and one of my favorite people was uh, a guy named Willie Davenport, who I was just reading about a couple of days ago. Uh, he was a four-time Olympian. He won the hurdles in 1968 in Mexico City at the Olympics. He actually became the first African-American to be on the Winter Olympic team. He joined the, blo the bobsled team. Oh, wow. So uh, he, he was the man in my eyes. And then, um, you know, you had the group from White Plains in 1966. Uh, Larry James was one of those uh, seniors in 1966 who went on to be an Olympian in 1968. And he finished second in the Olympics in the 400. He just lost by less than a tenth of a second to another American. Yeah, to another American named Lee Evans. And then you should actually uh, YouTube the 1968 400 meter race, and you will see how close a finish that was between Larry James and Lee Evans. I will. And then the two of them joined uh, forces on the four by four destroyed the world record. And I think their world record of two minutes and 56 seconds stood for 20 years. Wow. Um, I'm not quite sure the length of time, but they were, they're tremendous. So those were the guys I looked up to. And in fact, Larry James, they had a tribute to him several years ago because uh, he had gotten sick with cancer. Mr. Panaro, uh, who the Nick Panaro Relays are named after, and I went down there along with some other people. It was held down in um, New Jersey. We went, and I realized that a lot of the guys from the 1968 team were there. Oh, wow. And I'm walking around like these were my idols when I was growing up. <laughs> you know, it was, it was unbelievable experience. I bet it was. Did you get to meet and talk to any of them? I did. You know, I knew Larry from White Plains. Uh, there was one guy, John Carlos, who had taken third in the Olympics in the 200 meters. He was from the Bronx. Uh, I spoke to him. Several, he was involved in a very controversial um, fist-raising experience on the, on the award stand. Uh, so you can look that up, John Carlos. Okay. Uh, so I, I got to speak to him. Um, there are a couple other that, there, too. That I, Lee Evans, the one who had beaten Larry James, I didn't get to speak to him, but, you know, I was just like, in awe of seeing him and here i am i guess i was in my 50s at that time and i'm just like in awe of that guy i'm saying oh man that's lee evans so <laughs> that is amazing to be able to meet someone you've looked up to yes it is definitely it was, it was a lot of fun too you know it's a sad experience because larry was very sick yeah but it was great that all these guys had come out to um to, to wish him well and um just to be part of it was very exciting I bet. So turning back, uh, going back a little bit to like racing, did you ever get nervous before racing? I used to, I even tell my runners now I get nerve. I used to get nervous all the time. You, a lot of it had to do with the fact that everybody expected me to win every race. And so that was part of it. Um, yeah. And I tell, I, told this interesting story that when we went to the Golden West that year out in California, I guess we went on a Wednesday night or Thursday morning, and the race was Saturday night. And Saturday during the 
the afternoon, I took a nap and I woke up to what I thought was somebody knocking on the door and I realized it was my heart beating. Oh, wow. I said to myself, I didn't come all the way out here, you know, to be afraid of these people. I'm just going to go out there and do what I could do. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I would get nervous before meets, especially. Probably I am more nervous now as a coach than I was as a athlete because it's out of my control at this point. You know, once I put the athletes on the track, it's uh, it's up to them. And uh, I can't really control things at that point. Yeah. Did you have any pre-race rituals or post-race rituals that you would do to like calm yourself down or get in the zone? I would get myself into the zone. So if, for example, we knew that my race was at, let's say, one o'clock, around 12 o'clock, I would go tell my coach where I would be in case somebody needed me. And I would go out, do my jog. I used to like to warm up for approximately one hour exactly. Wow. Okay. And I, but a lot of it was mental pre- preparation. So I would jog, you know, everything that you folks do today. And then I would get underneath a tree somewhere or in the shade. Maybe my back would be against the wall or something. And I would do butterfly stretches and other stretches, but mostly I was just sitting there concentrating, waiting for, you know, first call high hurdles or first call low hurdles. And so the the warm-up became more of a mental preparation for me. And an interesting thing happened to me when I was out of California. I thought the meet started at seven o'clock. So, of course, I started at six o'clock and it was about 98 degrees. Oh. And I had these big, heavy wool uh, sweats on. <sighs> and I started doing my warm up. And we found out that the meet was starting at 7 30. So, I actually had an hour and a half warm up. And I got the bet. I was usually a slow starter in races. So people in, in, on an, in an indoor race, I would be pretty close to, but then I could get, you know, a lot more daylight between me and them during an outdoor race. And, but during this meet, I guess I was, I, as I always describe it, I was so loose from warming up for an hour and a half in 96, 98 degree weather that I just got out like lightning fast. I led from the first step to the finish line. So uh, there's a lot that goes on into um, into your good warm up. And of course, um, again, it was a lot mental. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you ever like do like visualization techniques and like visualize your race before you ran it? I would. So as I was warming up now, we're at the point where I'm on the track warming up, I would actually step over each hurdle and just walk all 10 hurdles and, you know, pull my trail leg over and just visualize myself getting my three steps and coming down and walking over to the finish line. And that was that was my routine at that time. That's good, yeah, to prepare yourself mentally like that, especially for such a technical race. Yes, yes. So, you know, that was, again, it was a lot mental in terms of preparation. Cool. All righty. What would you say is your favorite thing about running or being a runner? Just your teammates. 
Uh, just a lot of fun on the bus uh, going back to high school and college. Uh, we, If you know me, you know I have a good sense of humor, and I try to surround myself with people like that. And we were we were always on everybody's case. Uh, even today, this is the 50th anniversary of me in high school. A bunch of us get together once or twice a year, and we just laugh and have a good time. <laughs> and uh, it was supposed to actually happen this year at Louts because this, we were going to honor my team because the 1970 Louts uh, Mount Vernon High School team was the first New York State team to win the Louts games. Oh, wow. And so we were actually going to be honored at the uh, opening ceremonies. And guys were going to be coming in from Georgia, Texas, Virginia, plus my 90-year-old high school coach who during the winter lives in Florida with his wife. And then during the summer, uh, they live in up, upstate New York. So they were going to drive to White Plains the day of the Lauks games so that they could be part of the ceremony too. But obviously with the meet being canceled due to the virus, that didn't happen. Uh, but we'll, we'll all get together soon at some point. That's good that you guys get together and everything. Yeah, you 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 try to remember that with you and your teammates so that many years from now, you guys will still be getting together and you'll be talking about doing the hard workouts and everything else. Yes, definitely. So turning over to Laux, Laux was canceled this year. Um, very sorry about that. Yeah, well, it was in the best interest of everybody. I mean, obviously we had no choice, but we chose to cancel it pretty early. You know, we knew that once Penn Relays were canceled, the chances of us being um, able to go forward weren't really that great. And of course, you know, we've seen what's happened in society and we see what's happening around the world. As I've said to numerous people, although it's a very personal thing with me and with our team in the big scope of things, when you look at people, you know, the deaths around the world and you look at all the unemployment and the hunger, it's basically a track meet and, um, you know, we'll have more of those. People are going through a lot more than, you know, us just missing our track meet this year. Yeah. So what is it like to be the meat director of Laux? And you also um, are the meat director of the Gressler run in cross-country season. Yes. So they're both, they're very different. For Gressler, it's a relatively small cross-country meet, although there are close to a thousand athletes there. It's, it's relatively small. There's about 20 teams we usually get the same teams every year, so there's very little recruiting that has to be done. It fits in well in terms of the schedule. It's the last weekend in September. I think because we give out a lot of nice awards and uh, it's convenient to a lot of people in our area, and it's not a big high-pressure meet, and also because of the nature of our course at White Plains High School, which is pretty tough, as I hear yeah. you laughing. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we get a loyal following of coaches who want to train there, get their kids going through a battle on a hard course uh, with a lot of hills because it makes them tougher for other races. Uh, yep. So th there's, there's very little that needs to really get done for that, and as opposed to the Laux Games, which is a year-round thing. 
Yeah. Uh, now we're talking about 3,500 athletes from 11, from 10 states and about four provinces of Canada. A lot goes into that. There are a lot of people who are um, involved in that. Basically, for um, Gressler, uh, Coach Fitzsimons and I, and in the past, Coach Agudelo and I could pretty much run that by ourselves. BOCES would assign us some officials. The fact that we're away, we entrust our captains to get our athletes to the line on time. And that's really it. In Laos, you're talking about a whole different thing. I'm part of a committee of about 25 to 30 people. There's 70 officials involved, sponsors, parents. There's, there's just so much going on at the meet. Uh, they're, both, they're both fun to run and to be in charge of. That's good. That's definitely, you don't want to be all work and no fun. Yes, that's, that's true. It's, uh, by the time the Laos games are actually running, I've done most of my work, and I get to, to kind of enjoy watching the fruits of my labor as I see the people um, doing their thing. I'm, and I'm excited to see some of the athletes that I've recruited from, you know, all along the East Coast get there on the track or in the field and do their thing. So yeah, it's it's, it's exciting. I, I like it a lot. Is there anything specific besides watching amazing runners run? But there's anything that like got you into being a meet director? So the meet director before me was Nick Panero, and Nick and I had coached together for about 22, 23 years. He had been the meet director for 14 years. I'm now um, the fourth meet director in meet history. He knew that I had a great interest in the meet. Uh, I loved the meet. I think it was partially responsible for me getting a scholarship to Penn State. And so I enjoyed watching him put the meet together. And that was a lot different back then. It's, this is really prior to the internet. Most of the teams were from this direct area here. Uh, we'd get a few kids from outside the area. Uh, he started getting some Massachusetts schools in, but he knew like every day I would, who'd you hear from today? Who's coming today? So he knew I had an interest in it. And so when he decided that he had had enough, he asked if I would be interested in, in being the meat director. And I said, yeah, I'd be the meat director, fine. So sure enough, um, the committee put me in charge. That was 2001 was my first year as the meat director. And I carried on the, tra the tradition that had been put forth before me. I enjoyed doing it. It was a little different the first couple of years. All the entries were done by hand, and I would have to crank them into the computer, and the meat was getting bigger. So it was, um, it was very time-consuming. Then we switched to this, pro uh, this group called Direct Athletics, where they're based up in Boston, and the coaches actually type in all the names for their students. So a coach from Rhode Island can go online and he or she can type in their names. And so that took a lot of the pressure off of me. I could concentrate on other things. That's yeah, good. no, it's a, it's a fun experience. It's a lot of work, but it, it's fun. You do an awesome job. Laux is so well run and it flows so nice. Well, I appreciate that, but it's not just me. There's a lot of people who 
are behind the scenes. I know I'm the meat director, so I get most of the credit, uh, but there's a lot of people who are, are cranking out a lot of sweat and, and um, hours putting this thing together. Well, um, I'll make sure to let them know okay. too. Going back to teaching, um, just a quick question. What would you say is your favorite part of, or like type of history? Well, it was definitely American history. And in American history, probably the, the years that led up to the Civil War were um, my favorite area to concentrate upon. And also the Civil Rights Movement of the 60s. Those were probably my two favorites to talk about in class. That's pretty mm -hmm. cool. I have to say American history, too, is my favorite thing. I like the American Revolution. Oh, there you go. Okay. Let's talk about you as a coach. All right. What got you into coaching? So I graduated from Penn State, and for two years, I ran club. I ran for a club called the New York Pioneer Club, which was based down in New York City. And I would go to meets representing them, and I'd run the hurdles, I'd run one of the relays. And I was just getting to the point of getting tired of working out. So I had taught for two years, and now I was just... I didn't want to put the time in, in terms of training. And I also felt that, okay, look, I don't want to go out there and look bad. You know, I sort of had a reputation I wanted to uphold. So I said, you know, I'm just going to have to walk away. At that same time, and it's ironically, maybe about a week later, I found out that the person who was the assistant coach at White Plains High School had decided that he was not going to coach anymore. So Ed Kehe, who was the meet director, and he had been a former coach at White Plains High School, he was the meet director of Laux at the time. He was also the athletic director, and he had been the coach of that great 66 team. He called me and said, would I be interested in coaching? So I thought about it, and probably took me about 20 minutes, and I called him back, and I said, yes, I'd be very interested in coaching. And uh, so I came over for an interview, and we discussed it, and he told me I'd be working with a, a gentleman named Nick Panaro, and I didn't, Nick had actually run for, for Mount Vernon High School, too. He was a couple of years older than me. I didn't know him, but I did know his brother, who I used to play baseball against. He was my age. So I said, yeah, okay, so... That was uh, the fall of 1976, and I've been there ever since. That's that's a long time. <laughs> it, it is. A lot of bus rides, Rena. A lot of bus rides. So you've stuck with coaching for a long time. So what is your favorite thing about coaching? Oh, it's not even close. Uh, working with the young people of White Plains, they are tremendous. I love the diversity of White Plains High School. I, I love the talent we have at White Plains High School. And it's just working with all these fun and just the fun times we have with the athletes. Uh, you know, obviously my colleagues, I love working with them too. But definitely the young, the young minds and listening to them and their views on life and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's like the big thing that keeps me going. If I wouldn't have never stayed this long if, if um, you know, I didn't love working with the kids. And we like working with you, too, as a coach. Why, thank you, Miss Rena. 
You're welcome. Is there a moment you can think of that was like your proudest moment as a coach? Oh, there's a lot of great moments uh, in terms of my proudest. It might be the year we won the Laux games in, in 91. That was a super, we won it on the last race. Uh, this gentleman, Tomas Cobb, got the baton. He was about in the four by four. He was about 40 meters behind when he got the baton. He ran the race of his life. He, he ended up running 47-4. He just nipped Clarkstown South. And wow. we, we won the race. And then that gave us enough points to win the, to win the meet. That's exciting. That must have been exciting to watch. That was probably the most exciting moment in, of my coaching career. It sounds very close. <laughs> oh, it was. It was. He just nipped him. Ooh. <laughs> There's an old videotape around here somewhere of it. You know, I'd have to, I'd have to find it. Oh, I'd love to see it if you do find but it. But I'd say that, that among, uh, yes, okay. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I don't think I have anything to play it on. But uh, there were, you know, a lot of great moments, a lot of great races, a lot of great kids, uh, good trips. Uh, but that one always sticks out as what it meant, you know, for the, and just at the end, the whole. Now, this is before we had the stands at White Plains High School. It was a hill. Oh. And everybody just left the hill to, to um, hug him. And it was just what a great moment. It sounds it'd be really cool to be there. Oh, it, it was. It was. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Did your daughter ever run for um, you when you were coach? She never ran for me. She, because we live up in Brewster. So she, Amanda, ran for uh, Brewster High School. And then uh, another proud moment for me was to hear that she ran at Lelks. And um, I think she was like second or third in her heat in the 400. Oh, wow. uh, not in the whole meet, but in her heat. And um, I was so proud to have her run at my track meet. That must have been special. Yeah, that was 2007. So, uh, yeah, it was exciting. So she's a, like a contemporary of Coach Fitzsimons. They knew each other. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And obviously still know each other. Mm -hmm. So if you have anything else you'd like to add or share before we do our wrap-up. I'm just um, looking forward to a, a great cross-country season this year. We were very fortunate to have a lot of young runners come in and as freshmen and actually an eighth grader last year. And I think, yes. I think the girls' cross-country team is going to be super. And I think the boys, who had a big influx of youth, we had one of the most talented freshman crew we ever had. I think we're both poised to do very well this year. I'm just hopeful that we can get the season going at a reasonable date and that we can have a great year. I'm excited, too. Hopefully, we'll have a season. Oh, yes. I'm hopeful, too, Rena. Um, you know, it's, I'm a little nervous about it, but I'm just waiting to hear what um, all the authorities tell us, what we um, have to look forward to. And once they tell us that we can get out there, we will be out there and we will be working. I'm ready for all it. All right. All right. So, to wrap up, I have five quick running would you rather. Okay. So, the first one is would you rather be the first leg or the fourth leg in a relay? I'd rather be the fourth leg. Is there a reason? Um, 
when I played basketball, I used to be the guy that would get the last shot. And I just sort of always felt like, okay, I can handle that pressure. Also, I didn't always get out well in races. I, I used to like to to follow people and then make a move on them. And so as the anchor, as the leadoff person, that's not your job. Your job is to get out and take the lead. And yeah. that was sort of not what I was about. I was like to lay on people and then pass them. So I think being the anchor person would be a better suit for me. Did you ever run the anchor leg for your relay? Oh yeah, several times. That's cool. I know I I like to be, I'd rather be the first leg than the fourth leg actually, because I just, the pressure of carrying the baton across the finish line is just scary. Oh, but you can handle it, Rena, if anybody can. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. The second one, would you rather have a race in the rain or a race with heavy wind? Oh, uh, let's see. I hate being in the rain. I uh, Although in both cases, everybody on the track gets equal treatment. Yes. I just, I don't like being out in the rain. And that's even goes now as a coach. Uh, I would rather deal with the wind. As long as we're not talking about, you know, 38 degrees and windy, I would rather be on a, on a windy day than a rainy day. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> All right. So the next three are from Abigail Roman. Oh, my, my little eighth grader. Okay. Yes. She asks, would you rather run distance or sprints? That's not even a, a question to ask. Sprints. <laughs> this is from, from me personally, sprints. Gotcha. But it's interesting when I'm recruiting for louts, I always look for the distance people. So you kind of have like, you come from a sprint background, but you have a soft spot for the distance. I do. I do. I, I marvel at what they do and uh, how long they can persevere during a race and just watching the efforts that they put into it. And, um, you know, I, I guess there's a um, sense of, wow, I wish I could do that with, in terms of that, or I wish I could have done that. Whereas, you know, with the sprints, I can always compare the efforts of the kids in the races to my own, although, you know, I would never tell one of the athletes that, but I can, you know, so there's an appreciation for what I've never done. Yeah. Coming from distance, you know, I always, I'm like, man, it's crazy how fast the sprinters can run. Although, Miss Rena, you can, you can kick up a pretty fast 400 when you want to. Thank you, Coach. Mm-hmm. All right. Abby's second would you rather is, would you rather run starving or too full? Mm, starving. Never ate a lot during uh, the day of a meet. I would basically um, have a liquid diet that day. I didn't like the, uh, the feeling of having extra weight on. In fact, during practices in high school, I used to throw up at every hard workout. Really? Rita, I mean every hard workout. And I knew that if I didn't throw up, I didn't have a hard enough workout. Then I would throw up and then I'd come back and finish the rest of the workout. In fact, there was a drain on the infield at Mount Vernon High School that became my drain because everybody knew that that's where I would go to throw up. And I would oh. go throw up. I could hear my coach, where's Singleton? And my teammates would be saying, oh, he's over there throwing up. 
And then I'd come back and then I'd finish the workout on my own because maybe I missed two of the repeats while I was throwing up. So definitely not too much to eat. Ah, gotcha. And then the last one is, would you rather run in the freezing cold or the blazing heat? Okay. Which if the the question I will answer as you stated it, I would most certainly want to run in the blazing heat. When I was your age, I loved running in hot, hot, humid weather. It just got me feeling warmed up. Now that I'm almost into my 70s, I can't stand that weather. It's um, it's so funny that, you know, as in when I was 17, 18, and 19, I used to love hot, humid weather to go out there and run in. Now I don't like it at all, uh, which is why I would never move to Florida. I mean, I tolerate it. I don't like it really cold either. But in terms of working out or in a meet, I would definitely rather running in the hot weather. What would you say is your ideal running temperature? I love it when I see that the weather at Laux is going to be like in the low 70s, the high 60s. Um, I think that's good weather for everybody. Uh, the distance people is not too hot and the sprinters is not too cool. So I think that's just about the perfect temperature. Uh, not that we usually get that at Lauk, but uh, <laughs> I that's the temperature that I'd like. If I'm sitting out at a track meet, I would love being out there when it's about 70 degrees where I have short sleeves and there's a, a, a breeze and if I need to, I put a windbreaker on, as opposed to, if you recall, going to Somers last year, our first meet, where it had to be 38 degrees with a oh, heavy, yeah. heavy wind. Oh, I was miserable that day. Gotcha. All righty. So thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful information about yourself and insight about you as a runner. Miss Rena, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. This is so good of you. And you did an excellent job with the questions. I, this could be uh, a pursuit of a career for you, okay? Uh, in terms of just how easy you are with your questions. Thank you. Stay well. All right. Okay, Rena. thank you so much. Bye, Coach. Visit my website to learn more about Coach's book, the Quorum's Child, along with more information about the meets, results, people, and races that were mentioned in this podcast. Thanks for listening. The Runaround with Rena is created by me. Follow my podcast on Twitter at Rena's Runaround. Stay tuned for the next episode.